Hey, good morning, Fullerton Free. Uh, welcome to our first edition of, uh, of a new sort of weekly what, video. Video, that's what we'll call this. Um, that is called In the Kitchen, which is why right now we're in the kitchen. I don't know that we'll always stay in the kitchen because believe it or not, it's kind of noisy in here. But uh, with me this morning, there'll always be kind of a rotating group of folks. But uh, we're going to talk this morning a little bit about why we're doing it in the kitchen, and then we're going to talk about our text for next Sunday. But I want to introduce uh, the, the two compatriots, my two, my two partners in crime here this morning. So this is Jeff Lilly. Uh, some of you know him. And, uh, and some, someone you might not know as well is Rachel, who works in our preschool. She teaches all the kids about the Bible, and she's, she's fantastic. And she's been a part of our ongoing In the Kitchen meetings for a long time, so fun to be able to, uh, to discuss a little bit. But let me talk just for a second about why we're doing this video at all. So if you were uh, part of our worship services on Sunday, you may have heard uh, me mention the idea that we're recognizing there's a little bit of uh, live stream fatigue, people who are sort of getting weary of clicking on the YouTube channel or the FullertonFree.tv thing to stream on Sundays. And as a result, what we're finding is there are a lot of people who are just kind of opting out, uh, or maybe they're, they've gotten to a place where they're just consuming a lot of different churches' live streams or whatever, and... Because we see real value in us as a family, the Fullerton Free family and the body, being in the same text together, we believe that God called us to study these things together. Um, we're sort of brainstorming ways and options for us to continue to be in God's Word together, even if maybe for a week or two or a month or whatever you decide to step away from the live stream and then step back to it. Um, one of our thoughts was that if we gave you some tools and equipped you to be able to do a home study of the same text, uh, that that might allow you to teach your family or a husband and wife to study the passage together or uh, roommates to teach one another. Maybe there's a rotation or whatever. So the In the Kitchen video each week will be about 20 minutes. We're not going to have these be too long, but it's a um, it's just basically an opportunity for us to walk through the coming week's text and give you some tools and some things to process and think about so that you could begin your own study of the text to prepare to teach it yourself on Sunday. Now, I, I get the irony of us equipping individual teachers when we just studied a text that says not too many of you should presume to be teachers. Um, the idea here is not so much that everybody needs to be the lead shepherd at a church. Not everybody needs to start their own podcast. In, in fact, we would discourage that. But we do think there's some real value in each individual follower of Christ being able to study God's word on their own and being able, able to articulate that to other people. So one of the things I thought we'd start with this morning before we dive into the James text is just kind of basic study process. Like, it doesn't have to be real lengthy or whatever. But uh, let's talk for a second about your process. When you, I mean, we're giving people essentially from Tuesday night until Sunday morning to get ready. That's probably for most of us a little bit of a shortened window. I don't know that any of us would go, yeah, ideally I've got five days to put a thing together. Um, but what, what, Jeff, what's your process like normally when you're prepping for a message? If you're, gonna, if you're teaching in a few weeks, what's your process? Yeah, so the good thing for me is that I don't have to teach as often as you. Okay. So I might be three or four weeks, maybe even five weeks out. So I will start and read and reread and read and reread so that the passage is just in my head. I'll go out for a morning run and I'm just thinking about the passage. So for example... Daniel is the next book coming up. So even though I've still got, you know, another one in James, there's a there's a point where I'm already reading that passage of Daniel and thinking about what happens when those young men come before the king. And so it's uh, for me, that's the beginning is just to be able to read the text, think about it a lot and let the text speak to speak to us. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. So my if I have kind of a I've sort of thought about it in terms of like a seven stage process where the very first stage is just 
saturating myself in the text. I don't want to know what anybody said about it. I don't want to read the commentaries. I don't even want to outline it yet. I just want to read it and read it and read it. Think about the way it's organized and whatever. Um, second step for me tends to be just that, organizing. So thinking about the way the original, after I've let it sort of saturate in me and speak to me, then I'll take a piece of paper and I'll go, okay, how is this text organized? Like when, when James wrote James 3, uh, 13 through 4.10, which we're studying this week, like why did he organize it the way he did? Um, why have we chosen to teach it the way we are? But, but why, um, why, why, is, why did he put this first? Why did he put that second? And I'll kind of outline the text. Um, in the context of the outline I've already made of the greater book. So I get the flow of the book, then I get the flow of the text. Why does this come first? Why does that come second? Why does that come third? How does that process compare to what you typically do when you're prepping, Rachel? Oh, I, the same way. I will, if you look at my desk, I'll have like the Bible, a book, and, and like a notebook. And um, I first will read and just like soak it in. And just, I tend to go to the beach and just to literally just soak it in. And I'm like, okay, what are you trying to say, God? What are you trying to say to me? And... Then I will actually write it down. It's like I have to see it, read it, and then also write it down. And I'll put all these notes, and I end up having, and sometimes um, if Stephanie will come up and look at them, and I'm like, you don't understand what's up in here. Right. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. Um, and then visual. I'll see, I'll go on and see who else, what was their take. So I'm kind of doing the whole, you know, um, learning, writing it down myself, hearing it, writing it, and visually. So I'm going to add that one tactic where you go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. So I'm going to do one day a week. Go just, to just a peaceful where I feel the closest. Like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So for me, after I have sort of organized my thoughts around how is, this, how is the passage organized, why does, the, why does the teacher here organize things the way he does, then I'll start to think about main points. So if I'm going to look at the text we've got today, I'll go, what's the major theme? What's the major emphasis um, I always tend, as a teacher, I tend to think about the conversation that my listeners are going to have at lunch afterwards. Now, in the old days, um, in the old days, people actually went out to lunch. You know, now it's just we just stay in our house more. But in my head, I'm thinking, okay, if a family comes to church on a Sunday morning and we're studying James three together, and then they go out to lunch afterwards, when they get to the table, what is the thing that's going to be the centerpiece of their conversation? That tends to be my major aim. And in fact, if you listen to my teaching style, there are typically three or four things that I repeat. I tend to be very purposefully repetitive and I'll say things four or five times. That's usually the major theme and it's usually the main thing I'm hoping people will discuss in their small groups later or whatever. But um, after I've saturated myself in the text, after I've kind of outlined the way it's organized, I start to think about major themes. Um, and, then, and then the next step for me after thinking about major themes is what do I believe God is asking me to teach to this particular body? Because teaching to... My family might be a little bit different than teaching to a church. Teaching to our church might be a little bit different than going and teaching to a camp of high school kids. Uh, teaching to a camp of high school kids might be a little bit different than teaching at a pastor's conference or doing a, a college class or whatever. So what is God calling me to say out of the text that is specific to the context of who it is I'm going to be teaching? Preschoolers are like a whole, that's like a whole other minefield, right? How do I teach this text to preschoolers? The whole other thing. I don't think it's much different, actually. I think it's the same. Well, like, we're doing the Ten Commandments. You won't be going, let's count. One, two, yes. Yeah, yeah that's true. That, I should do more counting. Yeah. I do some alliteration, which is helpful. Yeah, which is helpful, so. 
Um, what, what other steps? I mean, I've got a couple more in my process, but where, how, how are we aligned? Does this feel similar to yours? Yeah, almost identical. The, the, I do a couple of other things. One, uh, I, and I think it's probably the same as yours in the beginning, but I do a list, uh, one sheet of paper that's just questions. And it is just every question I have and the hard, difficult parts of passages, which we always tease, you always give to either Mitch or I yeah. or that kind of thing. But it's not, true. it's not true. He just makes it look easy when he gets to it. <laughs> well, we whine about it. But, um, but part of it is, is then when I'm going through it, it's not just that uh, the central points, but also those points that the listener might stop and go, well, what does that mean? And it's, I try my best to say, do I have a good answer for that? And oftentimes, uh, you, you don't even find good answers in the commentaries, because the ones that are difficult passages, you go to the commentaries and they skip that part. Yeah, the so, commentators have all ditched it as well, because they're yeah, chickens. It is tough. The other um, thing, and I do uh, absolutely agree, is that part that the Lord's really calling us to teach, and sometimes it's what the Lord's taught me out of that passage. And if that's the highlight, then I'll oftentimes teach that, seeing that as this is what the Lord's spoken to me out of that. The last thing I do, after I pretty much almost could write the entire message, but I will go and on Spotify, you can actually search for the messages on that passage. Mm. And I'll make a playlist of those different messages. And in the morning when I run, then I'll just listen to one message. And it's after I've already got it, but then I'll just let it play in my head yeah. and, and sometimes see if they've going, hey, what you think it means doesn't mean that at all, and you're teaching heresy if you say that, and it's like, oh, probably good that I know that. Check but your word. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. so that's very similar to me. I After I've sort of got major themes and I've thought about what is it that God wants me to say out of this text to this particular crew, um, then I start to think, well, what's the, what's the clearest way to organize my teaching? If I've got 35 minutes, you know, a lot of times, the way, the way for instance, the way we're rushing through James is intentional. We're doing it in, in, you know, eight weeks or whatever. We're moving really fast. It might be six weeks actually. Um, and and you're never gonna you're never gonna exhaustively teach a text unless you're going sentence by sentence. And even then, you'd take you'd have to take five years to exhaust some of these books. So it's always a question of okay, what what is it that the major theme that God wants me to speak? But how do I organize my 35 minutes of teaching? Or I'm guessing with preschoolers, it's shorter than that. How do I organize that time? in order to communicate this as clearly as possible. So uh, where do I want to start? Where do I want to end? Do I want to teach straight through verse by verse by verse? Or do I want to go to the end first and then build to that conclusion? Do I want to start with a story? Do I want to, you know, like how do I want to organize this so that people can retain it, so they can walk away? And that's that's kind of when I start to write the sermon. It's when I'm thinking about the communication organization. That's when I'm sort of starting to figure out an outline that's the period of time when if I'm going to use three main points or I'm going to use some kind of alliteration or if I'm going to uh, an acrostic or there's all kinds of teaching devices. And I would say I think teaching devices get a bad rap. I think people over time kind of they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Baptist preachers wanting to do three points and, a, you know, whatever. And, but it's like whatever, whatever advances the cause of clarity. Right. Then I don't care if alliteration does it or if. An acrostic does it, or if some cleverly crafted, like, organizational scheme will help it stick to people's ribs, great. You know, like, I'm down for whatever tool. That's why I use the repetition and whatever, because it's a helpful tool. Um, once the sermon is organized and once it's outlined, in, in my process, that's when I do my checking. So, like, once I've got my whole thing laid out, that's when I go to commentaries. I've got several that are my favorites. Um, I was going to just give you a couple of resources, So, and, and I'll see if you guys have some you want to add to this. My absolute favorite commentary is uh, 
The one that's edited by John Stott called The Bible Speaks Today, that's the one I find very relevant and helpful, and I think Stott's a genius. Um, I've also really enjoyed uh, the Preaching the Word commentary series by Hughes, Kent Hughes. That's probably less of a commentary and more of a, of a, of like a written recording of his sermons. So it's more, um, there's a little more whimsy and, what, you know, you kind of get his style. But, but there's some good, great content in there, too. I almost always love the Tyndale commentaries, um, which are a little bit older, but still seem very timely and, and very accurate most of the time. And then the, the pillar commentaries, specifically of James, the pillar one, I really love. So, um, yeah, yeah, whatever. There's like four that I'm using regularly. Um, you guys, off the top of your head, are there commentaries or books or other things that you'd recommend to people? <laughs> So I use most of the same, um, and I probably shouldn't like announce it on camera, but I actually go to the church library. Oh yeah, and uh, I may not check them out. I might just throw one in my pack. Uh, uh, Claudia is going to hear this. I will. I will just look at it and go through it, and I try to get it back as soon as I can. Oh well, that's but, good at least. But so in that case, it's whatever Claudia has picked that's on the shelf. <laughs> um, but I do uh, a lot of times if we're in a book like when we were in John. Then I will literally Google what are the best commentaries, and I'll actually buy a couple of them so yeah. they're with me for the rest of my life. Right. And so uh, do that. But I also have a few that are on the on the phone or on the computer as well. That brings up a great point. Bible software is a great tool, especially if you if you have a calling or a gifting for teaching, which is different than just doing it during a season where you're feeling fatigued. If you truly feel called to teaching, I would say you, you must 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 go and buy yourself some good Bible software. Um, I use a Bible software called Logos. Uh, not a lot of people like it because it's a little clunky, but to me, I've, I've been using it for 20 years and I love it and I know how to work it, but there's lots of good st- accordance and uh, uh, what else is out there? I, I just said Logos. I don't actually use Logos. I, I was going to disagree use, with you. I you, use Word I Search. Use Logos. Logos, yeah. logos is, is easier to use than Word better, Search. Better is the word he's looking for. I use Word Search and it's not, it's not as easy to use, but it is the one I recommend. Whatever, logos, accordance, there's a bunch. Um, Okay, so last couple of steps here for me. Um, After I've checked my work with commentaries, made sure I don't have any classic heresy, I haven't fallen into any sort of false teaching or not not in danger of being stoned at the end of of the message most of the time. Um, That that then is when my sermon kind of gets locked into place. For me, that's when I might go and listen to uh, some sermons, other people that have done it just just to continue to kind of check my work. And then my very last step, and this is like a, for me, this is like Friday night to Saturday, if I'm going to preach on Sunday, my very last step is filling out illustrations, you know, figuring out, like this last week I told a story of me yelling at a barking dog, or I talked about loving the Ford Motor Company, but hating its vehicles. Those little, they're kind of like hooks to hang a theological principle on. They're just, they're just funny stories that kind of let people breathe a little bit, bring up their attention if they've started to, you know, their minds kind of getting overloaded. Those anecdotes and stories, illustrations, those are things I do very last. And sometimes, in fact, I'm, I'm writing in illustrations uh, in the margins 10 minutes before I'm getting up to teach. That's the least important part of what I'm doing, and it's, uh, it's the part I leave till last. But it also tends to make me a little bit stressed out. Um, if you're teaching your family or your roommates or if you're doing a study with just your spouse or whatever, you may not need those illustrations or you may find them in dynamic conversation across the it's table. popping up along the way. Yeah. Other things you guys would want to add to process conversation for people that are studying at home or whatever? 
I would say keep track of all your notes. So save all your sermons, you know, save all of your messages, put them in a file somewhere, put them on Evernote or whatever. So you've got, you've got, yeah, I would actually add that because we're giving out the journals that give you a chance to write in it. One of the things that has been really helpful for me is to actually picture an image that would illustrate it. I know that not everybody is an artist or anything and neither am I. Mine are mostly doodles, but uh, I'll I'll show you uh, one. I'll, I'll put it this way. This is literally my notes for um, this passage that we're about to talk through. And it's not so much that I use that image in the talk, but it helps me process an idea that as I'm sketching it, I'm like, well, what's really being said here? And so it helps me unpack the passage and look at the verses a little bit closer. But that is another process that I use is just that ability to journal and even just illustrate it, and you might find songs, you might find quotes, you might find other things that that help support it. But it really is me meditating on the passage. Yeah, and it's it's probably worth a saying point blank too. When we're talking about saturating ourselves in the text or meditating on the passage, we're talking about prayers. You know, so so it might not be prayer the way you think of it formally, with your hands folded and your eyes closed, and dear Jesus, and and amen at the end. But it is the process of listening to and speaking with God. There's a communication piece that's vital through all of this. But I think particularly in that first couple of steps, that first couple of steps where you're going, what has God said and what does it do to me and what has he called me to say to other people? What we're talking about there is not just our sort of coming up with our cleverly crafted ideas. In fact, we want to avoid that. It's about us listening to the voice of God and then figuring out how to communicate that with clarity. I've said before that for me as a preacher... The most important goal is clarity. Um, I'm, not, I'm not aiming at changing people's lives. I'm not aiming at trying to get a response. I'm not aiming at any of that because that's the Holy Spirit's job, right? If I, if I start to take on the Holy Spirit's job, then all of, my, uh, all of my ability to assess my effectiveness gets lost because all of a sudden I start to think I have the ability to control people or whatever. No, forget that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The teacher's job is simply to articulate with clarity what God has said and then allow, kind of get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do. So all of that is a setup for In the Kitchen. We're hoping these videos every week will be a a tool in your tool belt that will help you to prepare a thing for around your kitchen table. And uh, I think what we're going to do now is probably stop and then we will start. There's another video about James 3, 13 through 4, 10, which we're studying this coming Sunday. So thanks for listening. And uh, if you have other questions... Or if this sparks something in you that you want to dive in a little bit further, uh, shoot us an email and we can talk about that later. Okay, thanks. Bye.